I want to pick up where we were last week. I was in Jimison last week and uh, talked about some things concerning suddenlies. Suddenlies. And I've actually uh, have named this suddenly the suddenlies are here. How about that? John chapter 8, the Lord Jesus is talking to you and me. And he said uh, in verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. So y'all know they were on his side. They believed on him. They, they, were, they were not critics. So he was speaking to them. You know, the Lord will talk to you and me when we're open to him, when we're honoring to him. He'll tell you more than when he's kind of ignored and we're nonchalant. In other words, we are the filter that heaven comes back to. If we're hungry, if we want to go grow up, he'll talk to you different than you're like, are we still going to heaven? Okay, good. See you then. So he said to those Jews which believed on him, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Let's say that in first person, back to ourselves. And I shall know the truth, and the truth shall make me free. Would that be true? Yes, sir. It's true. So it's the truth you know that makes you free. Not the truth you've heard, not the truth that you assent to. It's the truth you know. I looked up the word know because it seemed like a, a powerful word. And, and that word is the word absolutely. So it's the truth you absolutely know. So that's a meditated word, isn't it? That's a meditated truth. That's something that you've, you've pondered. You've stepped back. You've looked at it from several angles. You've disputed it, saying, yeah, but what about this? And yeah, what about that? And you've settled it. The word also means understand. It's the truth you understand that sets you free. So until you have revelation, we just know it as truth. It's in our head. It's in a, it's in a compartment in your mind, and you can quote it, and you can... No, you know people that agree with it, but it's not yours yet. I remember the day that we first started tithing. I'd heard about it all, all those years. But one day, it settled in me, and I knew it. I just knew it. Do you all know about when you know it? You know it. It's truth you know, and you understand it. You agree with it, and you're, you're activated by it. In other words, it's truth that makes you do something. It's the truth that we're doing that we believe, not the truth that we know about. So if you know it, doesn't mean you have it until you act on it. And once you, you know, so you can tell a, a, a woman, I, I love you, but it doesn't mean anything until you act on it. Because uh, love gives. So if you tell her, I love you, baby, you're, you're, you're the bomb, you're, you're everything. But you don't ever give her anything then we don't know. Same thing with the Lord. Lord, I love you. You're, you're the man. But if you don't ever give him anything, then you don't demonstrate or prove your love because love gives. We know that from John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. How much did he love? That he gave his only begotten son. He gave the ultimate. Therefore, we know he loves us to the ultimate. In the same way, all, all love is measured by giving. Well, here it says... Uh, the truth that you know sets you free. 
you'll have it misquoted. You know, truth sets you free. Oh, no, this Bible's full of truth. And you can put it on your head and put it under your arm and put it, you know, sleep with it and go. To, doesn't mean a thing until you act on it. So that's what we're all doing is that we continually have these truths washed over us. Not just one time, well, don't you know this, and we're going to move on. We have these truths wash over us until one day we see it. That's why I preach or teach whatever in series. We'll talk about something four, five, six, even eight weeks. I've been 13 weeks before because it's such a powerful truth that we have to look at it from every angle until we make it, make it ours, until we understand it, until it's powerful in our life, until we're willing to act on it. So there's no need in going on, you know, talking about giving or talking about healing or whatever. There's no need in going on until we get it because mental ascent is not a measure of life in the Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah, that's, I, I agree with that. No, we don't agree with it until we do it. And so that's what that is. I wrote down that assumption is when you lead with your head. Dr. Cole says that assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. So how many times have we just assumed something but, and, and acted on it based on our assumption, but it wasn't, the, the assumption wasn't true, or it had been, but now it's not. We make lots of decisions based on what we assume. Oh, yeah, I got that job, or yeah, I, I can do this, or I, I have that, or whatever. But it's an assumption, and when you get there, reality hits in, and it wasn't truth. So every one of us in here, bar none, has been set back by assumption. We have all led with our head at times, where we jumped out there and said, I know what this is all about. I got it. This is, this is how it is. And we got there, and it was not how it was. And it hurt, because then we had, to, we had to back up. Boy, those jerky backs, those do-overs take a lot of time. It's like having a T in a road, and you're going down Alabama at night, and there's a T in the road, but you didn't see the sign. And you get to the T at 60 miles an hour, and you know there's a pasture out there. And as you're flying over the fence into the pasture, you're saying, I wonder if I have a shovel in the trunk. You know, it's, we, we just assume we've all been there and it wasn't as we thought. So we would have to ask every one of us. And that's what we do here. We, we ask the hard questions and then answer them. The questions that we're all asking or have asked or will ask. And so one question we would ask is, why are you waiting on God? We all have things that are on the proverbial shelf. And uh, we know they're there, and we've got them in the back of our mind, as it were, or in, in a bag somewhere, so to speak, in our life. We're not hot on it. That's not what we're doing right now, but we, we have that, and we've put that, we've put that up to the Lord at one time or another and said, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is what I'm believing you for. And then we would put it somewhere and just wait on God and wait on God and then wait on God. And then wait on anything after a while. And uh, most people say that the wait is because God knows best. Number one answer. God knows best. And so it would be here if it was best. 
But since it's not here, God knows best, and that's why I'm not got this. This isn't working, the job, the money, the God knows best. But that's not in the Bible. So if we live by the Bible, if we live by truth, then we'd have to say, I'm, I'm waiting on God in an assumption. I'm assuming that I'm waiting on God because God knows best. No, the reason we're waiting is because we're stuck. There's a heavy sigh and then an oh me. <laughs> we're stuck. We're stuck. We got busy. We got distracted. We got, uh, uh, we got a partial solution. We got a workaround instead of believing him for what the word says. We didn't like waiting until tomorrow afternoon until he came through. So we sort of did a workaround. We, we adjusted it. We compromised we did a good enough. Y'all know about good enough? All, m much of our lives, family, is based on a good enough. Because we assumed that God knows best. And if he knows best, then that's why it's not here. And that when it's, when it's his time, it'll come. And he just doesn't think that way. You know, we got to think like God thinks. And you go, well, I, I want him to think my way. Well, Good luck with that, so to speak. He's, he's thinking his way. The wonderful thing about the Lord is, is he says, this is how I am. This is how I set up the kingdom. This is how it works. This is how it'll always work. And just so you won't just think I'm woofing, I'll write it down. I'll write it down. It's not like, well, I heard God, if you sow a seed, he'll bring a harvest. I heard that. No, he wrote it down and said, call me out on it. Make a demand. Activate it from truth that you know. And you will see the end of it. But even with, even with him writing it down, we still say, well, God knows best. It's in the book. It's in the book. How do we know? It's in the book. He said, if you'll know the book, if you be, continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth you know will set you free. How free? As free as Jesus free. How do you all know? That's a pretty high bar. Free as Jesus is pretty high. He said you can be there. Because after all, in Romans it says he's the firstborn among many brethren. So he doesn't say I'm God and you're, you're weenie, human, no goods. He said in the category of the family of God, you're in there with me. We're called brothers. We're called family. We're called brethren in the, in the family. So uh, if we believe that we, what we assume is true, then we get stuck. Because how are you going to get unstuck believing that God knows best, and if you prayed it and it didn't happen right away, that God knows best, and he'll be here when he wants to. It'll be best to wait on his timing. How many of you all know you could wait a while and get stuck? You could have that thing on the shelf and, and a whole other opportunity comes up. A whole other other door comes up. A whole other need in your life comes up. And you've got to act on it because that one didn't come to pass like you prayed or believed or whatever. You, you just were giving God so much time. Well, now it's too late. We're out of money. We're out of body. We're out of, we got, we got to, now we've got to do something else because we didn't have what we prayed because God knows best. So now what we think we're doing is doing something that was not God's best. 
And so it just twists our theology. We just start making God. We give him an out for this and give him a, a, an excuse for that. And you know God and you know God. And if you ever really want to know what religion thinks about God, go to a funeral. Go to a funeral and they'll explain why a young child or a, a, a young wife or whatever, they'll explain how God orchestrated that and knew about it and allowed it and he knows best and it's, it's the way of the kingdom. Nobody believes it. Nobody in the room believes it. Nobody believes it. But they don't think much of God if they do. They got a low opinion of God that would do that. God knows best. And so a young mother struck down and left their children and her husband or, or whatever. We all shake our head. And the preacher's saying, well, God knows best. And we're all going... This doesn't add up. And then, they, then they'll say this. They'll say, well, God has a certain kind of good that's different than our kind of good. And so they just keep taking the shovel and digging themselves down deeper. And when you leave, you're totally unimpressed with God. Say amen when you believe that. We're totally unimpressed with how God operates. He's a psycho if you believe the, the preacher. He's, he's bipolar. If you believe that junk. Contrary to what the word says. Well, I believed the word and it didn't come to pass, so what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Adjust. Step back and say, you know, it wasn't truth what I believed. Or I gave up. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Is getting out... We want to be safe. We want to be down the middle of the road. We don't want to call God out. And let, me just, let me just read this to you. In Mark eleven twenty three, which we all know, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever things he saith. And then verse 24 says, What things soever ye desire when you pray. The word there, they don't like it, and the King James couldn't do it, but the word there for desire is the word demand. What things soever ye demand when you pray. So it's not pretty pleased with sugar on top. Lord, you know I'm a worm, and I know I'm a worm, and I was raised by worms. So I'm, I'm just barely asking you this, but if you could, if you could, I, I'm just a worm, Lord, but if you could throw the worm a little bone here and help me with this, I'd really be grateful. What things soever you desire or demand when you pray, believe that ye receive them. That seems kind of straight up. Believe that you receive them. So that's on me. Well, if you're always giving God an out, God knows best. You can't do it. You can't believe you receive when you pray because you don't know what God's will is. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Well, you're bound right there. You're bound. You're, you're tied up. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. How are you going to do that if you don't know what the will of God is? You've got to know the will of God. Before you go to prayer, you have to know that what I'm about to pray 
is the will and desire and plan of God. He's already said yes to it. Well, you never know what God's going to do. Sure you do. It's in the book. By stripes you were healed. Sure you do. It's in the book. Well, you never know if God's going to heal you. Sure you do. It's in the book. But if you don't pull the trigger, what things soever ye desire or demand, look it up. It's in there. It's the same word. When you pray, believe you receive them. And then it goes on, how audacious, how bodacious to say, and ye shall have them. Oh, my word. It's not when God gets around to it. It says, ye shall have them. So it looks like, it sounds like that my finger is on the trigger and that the gun goes off when I pull it. When I say, I believe what I, that I will receive when I pray. That it's on me. God said, do it. If you can do it, I will do it. I don't want to do it, Lord. I don't want to box you in. Here's what it is. Because what if it's not your will? Well, don't pray it. Don't desire it. Lord, I want three wives. No, you don't. <laughs> and you can't, you can't believe you receive. It's, it's against your nature. It's against the word. It's against everything in heaven. So you will never pray that and say, God bummed out. So God's as serious as we are. He's as willing as I am. Well, how am I going to know what his desires are or what, what his plan is so I, that when I pray, I'll know it's going to come to pass? It's in the book. God loves a cheerful giver. And, and uh, he, he said, you'll have all sufficiency in all things. Sounds like he's on my side. Sounds like if I would agree with heaven, something would happen here on earth. It's amazing. In Jeremiah... Chapter 1, we looked at it last week, but I'll just read it. It says, well, I didn't write it down, so I guess I won't. Jeremiah 1.12, let me just go there. I'm, I'm there before you can get there. It says in verse 12, the Lord said to Jeremiah, Old Testament. I, we don't like to do much out of the Old Testament, but here it is. The Lord said unto me, thou hast seen well, I will hasten over my word to perform it. So what does that word hasten mean to you? Well, if you understand the English Bible, the English language, you're going to say, that's got giddy up in it. I will hasten. I will, I'll put down what I'm doing and get to my word that you speak. I will hasten over my word. Not your word, my word. And I will perform it. Well, what do you want? What do you want more than that? That you put God's word out and he said, I'll get right to that. And I'll do it just like my word says. Just like you said my word says. What? Oh, that ain't good enough. Well, what else is there? Put his word out. Lord, you said by his stripes I was healed. You said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You said, you said, you said. And you quote his word. He said, if you want to be my disciples, he said, you'll, you'll believe my word. I do. So where's, where's my thing that I believe that I prayed about? I hadn't pulled the trigger yet. Got my finger on the trigger. Got the bullet in the gun. Got the trigger, the, the hammer pulled back. But until I pull the trigger that says, I believe I receive when I pray. 
and honest about it, not just like, I hope I receive when I pray, or I could receive, or it might happen, or if it's God's will, it might happen. If, oh, yeah, well, you're safe. Nothing's going to happen. You go to plan B right now, because that's all there is. Well, God didn't come through. You didn't give him anything. You got to pull the trigger. We got to pull the trigger. I, that's not a good analogy, but it's the only one I got right now. You got to pull the trigger. It's you. It's not like, well, I'm waiting on God. No, you're not. No, you're not. Say, no, I'm not. You're not waiting on God. He's, he's adamant, He is explicit. He is very wordy and detailed and, and handles the word very carefully and makes no ambivalence about what it means. You know, well, you know, if heaven's not busy that weekend, we can get that to you by Friday. He said, I'll hasten over my word to perform it. And we looked at it last week and, and, and said, what does hasten mean? God, God's pretty good about keeping his word when he's not hastening. I mean, it's like, what does it mean to hasten? I mean, heaven is the speed of light and the speed of thought or whatever it is. What is it that God says, I'll put a giddy up on this that's not normal for him? Whatever it is, he's on it. I said he's on it. He's not on need you got people in, in Bangladesh that are hungry, and you go, God, why aren't you in Bangladesh? Because they're not, they're not putting his word out. Well, I think he ought to go where there's a need. Well, that's not how it is. He said, I don't want to do it that way, and I'll tell you how I'm going to do it, and I'll write it down, and if you'll do it my way, I'll so prosper you that you can send money to Bangladesh. But he said, I'm not going to go over there and just make it happen without faith, without Jesus being the centerpiece of what's going on. In second, just let me go here, Second Chronicles, Chronicles 29, 36. It's a long story, and I didn't want to read the whole thing. But the point is, Hezekiah rejoiced and all the people that God had prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. Would you say the last word with me? Suddenly. Now, the kingdom, the kingdom mode, not, not American, not French, not Spanish, the kingdom mode is suddenly. The word is often used immediately. It's all over the Bible. Suddenly, immediately, hasten over it. It's like a right now word. God hears his word, or however he gets it, and it's done. Well, how come it took two weeks? The seen sometimes is behind the unseen. The natural, there's, there's things going on. Sometimes when you pray, he's got to work through people. And so that takes a while. But other things that don't require people, healing, like right now. You go, well, how come I didn't feel better? Well, you have to believe that what things soever you desired when you prayed, you believed you received them. So if you say, uh, it's coming, you didn't receive them. You took a COD. You took a, uh, an in-transit. 
but believe you receive them when you pray is like right now. Well, how come I don't feel better? If you'll believe, then the feelings will follow. Ah, he said, they said, ah, you're twisting it around. Well, just, just hang on. He said uh, the word suddenly there, the thing was done suddenly. It means at an instant. I love this word. It means suddenly to open the eyes in a wink. Now, you and I blink. I looked it up. It's a tenth of a second to blink. When it says, in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus will come back, that's what it's talking about, a wink. You just, you just, it doesn't take long to wink. That's how fast the word hasten is, or suddenly. It means very suddenly. It means at an instant. It means in a moment, quickly or unexpectedly. It means to open the eyes in a wink. So I'd say the Lord was on it. He didn't say, you know, I got three lawns to mow this week, and it's going to be Thursday before I can even open your mail in a blink of an eye. Now, your experience may not be that way, but that's how the Lord says it is. And so one of us is going to have to say chicken. One of us is going to have to say, I'm right or you're right. I'm going to say he's right. That it happens like he says it happens. Even if my previous experience does not line up with that, I'm going to have to say he's fast. He answers prayer in Spanish. Ahorita. Right now. I can tell y'all are looking at me like, oh, where's he, how's he going to rescue this? Suppose you take a wrench back to Lowe's or Home Depot. You put it on your credit card, and it, it, you needed metric, and it's SAE, so you take it back. And uh, they look it up, and they say, sure, I got your receipt. Here it is. Do you have your card? So you give them your card. Not, not really. Now it's already on the receipt. But do like I do. Just say, I don't have any receipt. I've never had a receipt for Lowe's. Even if it's in my pocket, I never have a receipt. So they say, do you have, give us your card. So as, so as soon as I swipe my card, how long does it take for a credit to go to my account? The blink of an eye. It's electronic. It's digital. It's, it's, it's fast. There's nobody keying it in in Ohio. There's a machine that somehow just reads it, and instantly I have my refund. But suppose you get your statement, and they didn't do it. It's not on there. You still owe for the wrench, and you took the wrench back. So they've got the wrench, and they got your money too. Uh, we call it going to war at my house. I took you the wrench. I gave you my card. You didn't, didn't refund me. We are now officially at war. I'm coming. I'm coming. Daniel 10.13 says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. Y'all remember that? But lo, Michael, let's see where that verse is. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of, of Persia. So there was some interference. Somebody, some machine, something didn't happen that when I swiped my card, it wasn't a blink of an eye. 
I had to go back and I had to notice it. Otherwise, I lose the refund. They have my wrench and my money and I have no wrench or money. And so if I don't notice that, if I don't demand it, what things soever you demand when you pray, if I don't demand an accountability, then Lowe's has a better quarter than they would have had. Because they got both. They're going to sell that wrench again. <laughs> so you've got to demand it. If it didn't happen instantly, if it didn't happen in a hastening fashion, you've got to know that there's something, there's something amiss. Either the devil, we don't give him much. We're, we're not going to say it didn't come because of the devil. We're going to say that something happened to our believing. What things you soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Oh, I, I was waiting on it. I was like, uh, God's in control and uh, he knows best. And I was kind of letting him have a little room on this. And so we let the hasten or the immediately or the suddenly, we let it go. We don't demand. We don't say, bless God, that thing, that thing went in instantly. And so uh, in Second uh, Kings 6, can you all turn to Second Kings? We've got just a minute. Actually, we've got 100 Second Kings six. Now that you are on broadcast, if you're waiting for me to wail and carry on about how you ought to quit sinning and how you ought to get right or get left or whatever, we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven that's on the earth. If you're born again, you're going to heaven. I said, if you're born again, you're a child of God. You may live like hell on earth. Because you don't implement the kingdom on earth. So you may, you may, <laughs> but you're going to heaven. So let's talk about living on earth. Because that's the part that we're in right now. Heaven is secured. Heaven is a guarantee. Heaven is done. Once you're born again, once you're born again, it's done. Well, what if I mess up? You will. What if I mess up real bad? You will. But God's not mad. Jesus thinks he solved the sin problem. Y'all say amen. He thinks he did. You go, well, that, everybody's just going to sin. Nope, the wages of sin is death. And it's a tough old road that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. You want to be saved and go to heaven but live like the devil here on earth? Whew. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there. And we didn't like it. And we said, I, I got to start doing this. So it says in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 6, uh, where would we go there? Let's just skip all that. What it is is the Syrians had bottled up the, the Syrians had bottled up the fort or the city and there was no food. And so in one place it says that uh, two mamas came together. They're hungry. They each have a baby, and one says, uh, "Let's flip for it. We'll eat my son. We'll eat your son today. And then, when we get hungry again, well, then we'll we'll eat my son." And so that's how far it had gone—just the most depraved, the most desperate situation you've ever heard of. But in chapter seven, verse one, Elisha. Oh, yeah, and the king's the king's mad at Elisha. Uh, 
Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time. Say suddenly. suddenly. I mean, tomorrow about this time. That's, that's not a blink of an eye, but in their, their day and in my day, tomorrow is fast enough. I'm going to say the Lord delivered fast. Amen. Next day, may we all say that's, that's fast. About this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, whatever that is, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now, that was a deal. Whatever, whatever was going on in that deal, it was way more than that if you could even find wheat and barley and all that. It wasn't even available. And he said, tomorrow, about this time, suddenly the Lord's going to show up. Well, don't you know those mamas wish they had waited? But they said God's in control. They said he knows best. And we're just going to take matters into our own hands. Every one of us in here have done that very same thing. I don't want to say you've eaten your baby, of course, but it's along that line that something grievous happened in your life because you assumed, I assumed, we assumed that this is the way it was and that God knows best and so he, he's forgotten about us, that he's left us out there, that our prayers didn't matter, that for some reason he disqualified our prayer and so it was like it didn't go through or whatever, whatever, whatever religion tells us, and we unhook from knowing the truth to let the truth set us free. We, we opted out of being set free, free indeed. We said, we, there's lots of levels of freedom. We'll take a lower level. And, and like Deborah says, we shouldn't have done it. <laughs> she tells, say it. Shouldn't have done it. That's, that's what she t says to me at the house. You shouldn't have done it. <laughs> well, they shouldn't have done it. And every one of us has something in our life that we would say that, yeah, I remember that one. But then the prophet shows up. God shows up. God shows up with his word and he says, about this time, suddenly I'm going to change everything. Well, the, 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 the Bible says that the, the guard of the king, who was mad at the prophet, mocked him and said, yeah, yeah, if this should happen, there'd be, it'd be like the windows of heaven opening. And that's not, he mocked it. But the next day, the four lepers that were outside of the gate, that were hungry, but they were lepers, so they couldn't come inside the gate and starve. They had to starve outside the gate. They said something bodacious. They said, uh, uh, oh, what'd they say? Uh, verse 3, why sit we here until we die? Ah, that's the same as saying, let's believe God. Sometimes it's better that you get in a rocky, hard spot and you call on God than being in a place that it doesn't hurt too bad and you can handle it and you can, uh, you can, you can get along with it. It'd be better to be in a place of no options. The Lord's never going to put us there, but sometimes it's better than we say, let's go back to God. And we've all been there. I'm telling you, I know your story because it's my story. And it's everybody's story. We've all been here. Nobody got here without first being there. And so we messed up and we suffered for it. It hurt. God didn't want you to hurt. He wanted you to do it his way. But when we didn't do it his way, we, we didn't believe in our heart. We didn't believe that we received them when we prayed well then we have it and so they they go down they said well what's the difference we'll go down and just see if the Syrians will save us we're starving 
What difference does it make? And the Bible says that in verse uh, 7, when there they rose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses. Oh, excuse me, that's a little ahead of that. Uh, yeah, verse 5, I believe it says, uh, verse 6, I'm there, I'm there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. And so they all, they all left town and they left their tents full of food. And so they brought the, the food back to the, to the city and it was everywhere. Food was plenteous and food was cheap. Just like the man of God said, it happened the next day about that time. Now, this is a model. This is Old Testament. But if the Lord's doing it there, he's sure doing it here. And so our instant, our immediately, has got to be tweaked up. We can't be waiting days and nights and nights and days and weeks and months. It's time to go now. To hold, I don't want to say hold the feet, his feet to the fire, but to hold the word that God said, I'll hasten over to perform it. Is that true? Is it true or is it not true? Are you just woofing us, Lord? He said, ah, you're going you're gonna to look pretty funny. You're going to believe my word, and I'm going to jerk it back like Lucy does Charlie Brown in the football. I'm going to jerk it back. And you, Aren't you going to look funny down there, Christians? You believed me, but I had no intention of coming through. Well, you don't get to be God if you're that way. And he is God. And he doesn't do that. Uh, let me just read this to you. Numbers 23, 19. Barry's going to put it up there. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Repent means to change. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he said and shall he not do it? Hath he said and shall he not do it? He said, I'll hasten over my word to perform it. Hath he said, and will he not do it? He will do it. He's not a man that he should lie. And, and it goes on there and said, and, or hath he spoken and not make it good? I'm exhorting you to love and good works this morning. To sharpen. Not just put up with, well, it takes all of my life to live my life. He sure could, but we could get a lot more done and get further down the road if we'd believe his word and had instant or immediate results. It's, it's powerful. Uh, I got all sorts of stuff here, but I want to read you a, a story. Larry bought a horse for him, a farmer, for $100. Y'all remember this one? Ah, nobody remembers it. The farmer agreed to deliver the horse the next day. The next day, the farmer drove up and said, Sorry, son, I have bad news. The horse died. Larry said, Well, just give me my money back. The farmer said, I can't do that. I went and spent it already. Larry said, Okay, just bring me the dead horse. The farmer asked, What are you going to do with the dead horse? Larry said, I'm going to raffle him off. The farmer said, You can't raffle off a dead horse. Larry said, Sure I can. Watch me. I just won't tell anybody that he's dead. I kind of hate to tell this story because it's a, but anyway, it works. Larry said, sure I can, watch me. I won't tell anybody that he's dead. Later, the farmer met up with Larry and asked, what happened to the dead horse? 
Larry said, I raffled him off. I sold 500 tickets at $2 a piece. I made a profit of $898. The farmer said, didn't anybody complain? Larry said, just the guy who won the horse, so I gave him his $2 back. So the moral of this unlikely story is that every road eventually forks. Every road eventually forks. And every one of us has had the dead horse. Like, I'm stuck. This, there's no place for this to go. I'm finished right here. I, it, it, the devil got me. Or I, I assumed and it wasn't true. Y'all listen to me. I'm talking to you. And so I, here I am, stuck. You're never stuck. Every road always eventually forks. In other words, if you'll just hold on, it'll open. It'll open. It'll open. It'll always open. It, what things soever you desire, what things soever that you desire, believe you receive them, ye shall have them. That's the way it, listen, it has to turn out. You go, well, what if? There's no what if. The word is more powerful than anything you've ever had or thought. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. I can do that. I can't climb every mountain, swim every sea, walk across hot glass, but I can believe I receive them. How will I do that? I'll get in the word and I'll meditate the promises until I know the truth. And that truth on its own will set me free. The truth will set, not me, but the truth I know, I understand that I will not let go of. It will set me free. You go, that's pretty hard. No, that's not hard. Because we're believers. And that's what we do. That's, that's what we do. When we're born again, we have a wiring that comes activated that says, you'll believe. What does it say in Romans chapter 1? Faith comes by hearing. Or is activated by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what does that mean? That means if you'll know the truth and know it and know it and know it and turn it from every facet until you've, you have eliminated every possible way that it couldn't be, you're satisfied inside, that truth by itself will set you free. How free? Jesus did not have a more powerful way of operation than you and I do. He operated by the word. He believed the word. He spoke the word. He had the word. And that's what you and I do. He had success in his mission. I will have success in mine. But I have to do it like he did it. Even the Lord God said, light be. He didn't even circumvent it. He didn't even say, I, I got other ways that you know not of. I got my own little plan. I got, a, I got ways that are higher than your ways. But, uh, but no, he said, I'll have to speak it. Light be, sun be, whatever he said. Horses be. He said it, and then it was. That's exactly how you and I are going to have it. Say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. Does not doubt in his heart. So that's, that's my part. But believes those things which he saith. Oh my, I'm going to have what I say. Shall come to pass. 
He shall have. That's the strongest Greek emphatic word. He shall have. It's undeniable. It cannot fail. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, guess what's been working? What you say. If you say we're not going to make it, whoo, you got not make it in spades. And you go, what's going on? Well, God's in control, or, or God knows best. No, it's, it's our mouth. It's our faith. It's our believing God is a man that he should lie. Well, we're going to let him off the hook. We don't think he can do it that fast. You think about that Syrian thing and how, how impossible that was for them to be under siege that they're eating their babies and suddenly flour to be everywhere the next day. You... you, you you would be sci-fi if you were to come up with something. Aliens came down and, and it was all happened by Old Testament men. So uh, y'all remember when somebody paid off the church? <sighs> I mean, we were believing God to pay off the church. $360,000. That, that was more than anybody that we knew. But suddenly it just showed up. Suddenly, someone called us and said, I got it. I want to give it. Can you all handle it? Yea, verily. And in the, by the week, the end of the week, River Church was paid off. Our property in Coker was paid off. $360,000. So that's kind of the benchmark. That's kind of like, okay, God, we will never ask you to do something like that again. You know what God's saying is, is I've set you a benchmark. I've, I've put you a rod out there. Never go below that when you come back to me because I've already done that. If I showed you, if I demoed that, then I've, I'm, I want you to do more. I want you to come back at me for more. So what's in your life? What has he done for you that you go, oh, that was amazing. Well, that's the least day in your life. That's the least day in your life. You have already seen the least day in your life. That day when it just showed up and it worked and it connected and God saved you and fished you out and put you in and worked it all out and it was amazing. You told about it in church and you called your mama. It was amazing. That's your least day. Instantly, immediately, the twinkling of an eye. Now that's how heaven's supposed to work. Why wouldn't it get to work that way? Well, then it would be me. It would be me that said, I don't believe that. I don't see that happening. Well, it's in the book. So you have to not believe the book, right? You have to say, or you have to say, well, it was those people, not these people. This is Old Testament. These people aren't even born again. These people don't even know God. If they want to hear from God, they have to go to the prophet. Or the king. <clears throat> so the wait is over. You've already had your least day. Now what's in front of you? Well, what things soever you desire. Oh, I'm going to have to meditate. I'm going to have to think about it. It's not just like, uh, my name is Jimmy. I'll take all you'll give me. It's not that. We, 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 we sync up with the Lord. Everybody in here has done that. You've made choices. You've made decisions. Am I going to go with God to the next level up, or am I going to coast 
which is always going down, or am I going to just say, I'm through with that? Everybody in here has been through all of those things. We went up, we went straight, we went down, and then we came back up. Am I telling the truth there, where we missed it, but we had to come back? For you to be here, you had to come back from some bad decision, some assumption. I certainly have. I have a, I have a life of, of whoops. And like, why? Why would I do that after all that he's taught me and all that he showed me and all that he's done for me? Why would I flinch? And yet I say, Lord, I flinched. And then it turned out perfect, and I go, oh, I wish I'd have been in faith about that. It was sure wonderful. So have you got a dead horse today? Just say you do. You have a dead horse. Everyone in here has got a dead horse. You have a situation that's standing between you and what you need to happen. You've already seen the other side. You've already seen about this time a shekel of flour be sold. I mean, a, a measure of flour be sold for a shekel. You've already seen that exceeding abundantly above all you could think. You've already seen everything you could think. Is that right? You've already seen everything you could think, like, wow, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great if I could fund a missionary for a year? Oh, that'd be $20,000. Wouldn't that be awesome? If I could fund a missionary. What if that would be awesome if I could put an orphanage together? What if it would be awesome if I could pay off somebody's car? Oh, what if I could pay off my children's house? You go, oh, nobody does that. Ah, that's because they're only having what they're thinking. But he wants us to say, it's my least day. What I'm thinking is my least day. So at River Church, paying off the church was our least day. We'll never have a little day like that again. It's the biggest day we ever had, but now it's our little day. It's like, oh, yeah, y'all remember when God did that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what y'all are thinking, but it doesn't matter. I've thought all those things myself. And it's just, it's just not so. God's just, he's just so much more. He's not a man that he should act like a man. He's that Red Sea parting, that, that uh, ark floating, that oil poured out, that he's, he, the iron did swim. He's that guy, and that's Old Covenant. So you got a dead horse today? You got to know what the way through is. This man, in the joke, in the little story that's not true, but it's a story that says that we have all could relate to that, where we had something that just it died on the, on the ramp. And we're like, we're done. We're, we're soaked. This is over. Where will we go? What will we do? Aha, there's the exceeding abundantly according to the power that worketh in me, you. Oh, I thought God was in control. I thought God was going to crank something up to rescue me. I didn't know I had something to do with it. Oh, I do. I'm going to have to think and say, he did that. He ought to be able to double that over here. Now, I don't know what you did this morning for Sunday Gar's church. It... It, I, that's kingdom business. But I can tell you, your offering changed your future. It did not 
stay the same when you put your seed in the plate. It changed your future. It's irreversible. It's on a new agenda, a new course. Unless you and I come in and say, oh, that didn't do anything. It's the same as it was. You're on it. You're raffling that horse. Do I hear $3? Do I hear $6? You're, you're raffling that horse, $898, because he had to give the guy $100. You know, he bought the horse for $100, so he didn't get that back. He had to give the $2 ticket back, so he had $898 profit. Wow, for a dead horse. You say, well, that's unlikely. So is your story. So is the thing God's putting in front of you. So you've got to think. You go, he's going to do more than I think. I think about giving thousands of dollars away. What are you thinking about? Well, I'm thinking about getting $1,000 and packing it away and holding it up and buying this and going there. Ooh, that might not be it. That might be part of it, but that's not it. Y'all get this? We should build another church somewhere. I mean, I don't know why. I don't know who. But we ought to say, what do you got, Lord, for that? Uh, we ought to volunteer to run a river team. You go, what? I got a dead horse. I don't know what to do with it. All you ought to say, here am I. We ought, to, we ought to take a DHT. Well, why would I do that? Oh, because we're out there. And our lease day is behind us. And we never did do a DHT. Why? I, I, we, ought to, we ought to have here at River Church, we ought to have somebody teaching a DHT and laying hands on the sick. Well, preacher, that's what we pay you for. Ah, you'd be wrong about that. Uh, Ephesians says, I'm to equip the saints to go do the DHT. But it'll be your little hands that are on them that are blowing cancer up. Well, I don't have time. I have to work. Oh, so you're not rich yet. Oh, you're working by for a wage and you're barely making it and you got bills and you got troubles and you got a problem for every solution. You've got a challenge for every answer. Oh my, can we rescue that people? You'll be eating your babies. Because there's no hope for you. Nothing's going to happen. We got to survive. We got to do whatever it takes to survive. So, uh, you, uh, you ought to prophesy. You ought to get up and instead of saying a testimony, you ought to stand up on Sunday morning and say, I've got a word from heaven for River Church, for the kingdom or whatever. And we'll go, oh yeah, they do that all the time. No, you've never done it. You're shaking in your little stilettos or whatever is on there. You stand up and thus saith the Lord. And it comes out kind of hitchy. It comes out a little... You know, like, what was that? Ah, but you'll never have to do it for the first time again. Got that out of the way. Now we could go to town. You ought to find a homeless person. Just, just go to Jack's. Just go to, to uh, Arby's or somewhere. And just sit there and wait, drinking some sweet tea. And he'll show up. And you say, I've been waiting for you. Put $20 in him and send him on. You go, nobody thinks about that. Oh, some of us do. Because I'm after the suddenly. I'm after the right now. I don't need to wait 20 years. We think that Joe Morris, I mean, we think the Lord Jesus could be back in seven years. 
Now, we're paying no attention to that. None. N-O-N-E. We're paying no attention. We're adjusting nothing. But if that were true, or if it's less or more, whatever it is, you might not get to be in a casket. You may never get to be like your grandparents or your parents where they lower you in the ground and they cry and say, there, there goes mama. Jesus could be back before you got real old. Well, if that's the truth, then we better, we better get that much done in less time. Unless you just want to get whatever 40 years or 50 or 60 year olds get, you, you ought to say, I need to pick it up. Oh, there's a power for that get it, pick it up thing. When you say, I want to pick it up, what things soever you desire, he picks it up. But it's a serious Christian that does this. Ah, we're serious. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Well, I, I went past the, the Methodist. Let's bow our heads just for a moment, please. Now I want you to think about what you're thinking about. Are you thinking about just getting through the day, getting through this month, getting the car fixed or getting your job, you know, whatever? That's called maintenance. It's called survival. It's, it's the lowest form of living. You're supposed to be funding somebody and laying hands on somebody and, and, and sponsoring somebody. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we prophesy to our future. We did last week. We're going to prophesy to our future. Nobody listening, certainly nobody listening, nobody hollering, nobody even talking loud. But under your own breath, you can say, I, I will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Or you could say, I'm, I'm paying off people's debts. Or you could just say, I'm going to go through McDonald's and pay off the car behind me. Or you could just say, I'm going to give $1,000. Never gave $1,000. Or, or I'm going to give 100 Or I'm going to give 40 what, Whatever that, that only God could do if it, if it worked. Lord Jesus. Everybody, let's just, let's just prophesy to our future. Just, just say, I believe I receive healing in my body right now. That, that'd be, and you go, well, what if it takes a long time? Ah, but what if there was a blinking of the eye, a twinkling of the eye? We believe we receive suddenlies in our bodies, Lord. The chronic, the chronic go in Jesus' name. Consistent pain be gone. Joint pain, leg pain, stomach pain, neck pain, teeth pain go in Jesus' name. Right now, I mean like right now, go in Jesus' name. We call our bills paid off. Now, let, you know what your bills are. We don't want to know about what your bills are, but you know. And so let's speak to them. You go, well, how could that happen? Uh, the same way the prophet spoke, and it just went crazy upside. The same thing that Moses spoke to the Red Sea, and instantly the waters parted. It wasn't day after tomorrow. We speak that into our future. I have bills paid off right now in Jesus' name. I have bills paid off. I have debts forgiven right now. It's the supernatural. It's the impossible. We sang that this morning, the impossible. All things are possible. We, we enter into that room, that realm, that life. We've already had our least day. Every day forward is a better day.
In Jesus' name, amen.